Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello, writers. I'm Josiane Fortin, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Artika Tyner. So Artika is the author of eight books, and she's working on many more uh, coming up this year. So Artika serves as the founding director of the Center on Race, Leadership, and Social Justice at the University of St. Thomas School of Law. So thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so happy to be talking to you because I wanted to touch on a different topic today talking about racial diversity and I feel like you're the best person to talk about this so please start off by telling us a little bit about you yes I think the most important thing that you can know about me is I'm a lifelong educator so books have been a vehicle to expand beyond the constraints of the four walls of my classroom to reach students learners, leaders, builders all over the world. So my books are really an opportunity to shed light on and provide information around leadership development, around diversity, equity, and inclusion, civil rights topics, and it includes an intergenerational approach from writing the books for adults and career professionals and CEOs on how to continue to strengthen their leadership forum, uh, platform and forum that they've created and engagement but also making sure that we are engaging young people. So my books go from those nonfiction self-help books and motivational inspiration around leadership and social justice, all the way to including picture books and books that embrace young people and their voice and reminds them that they're not too young to make a difference. So I think that's something unique. You rarely see that in approach. Someone either is picking a specific genre, a specific audience related to books, but I'm looking to build a movement of everyday people leading change in their daily lives. What better way to do it? Through the pages of a book. Okay, so what you're aiming to do is communicating a theme and not like being tied to a specific genre. You want to talk to everyone. So you're like, doing it in different versions for kids, for adults. And so that's really good for you. That's a good way to share that message that you have. And I want to go back to that day when you decided to write your very first book. What um, motivated you to do that? Well, I would say that day was met with fear and fright. I didn't know where to start, <laughs> how to begin. I was nervous and I was uncertain. And I'm just like, oh, you know, you have John Grisham, you have Alice Walker, you have all these big names. And where does my name fit as Dr. Tyner? <laughs> so really the reality for me was writing a book once again was about a platform and creating a forum for engagement around leadership development. So my first book is was uh, The Lawyer is Leader, How to Plant People and Grow Justice. It was inspired by a research question that I was exploring on what leadership characteristics do we need to advance social change and what tools will we use? So really the book was meant to start a conversation with lawyers, but more importantly, everyone who is committed to justice to come together to start asking some of those critical questions like what is in my hands to make a difference in the world? So didn't know exactly where to get started, how to begin, but one piece of advice that I would give everyone is to make sure that you're expanding your network and talking to people within your network about some of your dreams, visions, and goals. Because if we think about any tangible goal that we really will reach, 
it's about teamwork. So I went to my network. I started connecting with people in my network who had already written books, asked them, what did I need to know? And in fact, one of my professors, and he was just amazing in this process. He was a real cheerleader and champion for me. Not only did he teach me about the process, he shared his book prospectus and his proposals with me. He shared with me some of the folks in his network who could potentially publish the book. So that network who creates and opens doors for you is also critically important. Yeah, I like how you put it. Like I was scared at first, but then like I talked to the right people, like people are willing to help us when we want to write books. And so that was a really good idea to get out there and talk to people about it. And I was wondering, why do you find it important to talk about this topic, like being inclusive and leadership and justice? What, uh, like, it's almost like a life purpose of yours. Like I saw on your website, like you're a speaker too, you talk on this topic. So why is that important for you? I think for me, it's, it's been my own life experience. I mean, even from the example of writing my first book, it was a collective vision. Other people were the cheerleaders. For instance, even our logo for planting people growing justice. That was one of my colleagues from my cohort. As we were writing our dissertation, she said, well, I see something else. And I said, well, tell me what you see. That way I can see the clarity too. She said, I keep seeing this tree, this banyan tree. And I said, well, tell me more. What do you see when I'm, because she said, the image that I continue to see when you talk about your research and your passion is the banyan tree. Describe it to me. She was like, what's unique about the banyan tree is that it grows new roots from its branches. So then it's the interconnectedness of the experience of a shared humanity and common destiny. And then for me, I'm like, hold on. This is where the ideas start to spur. And this is where innovation starts. Creativity starts. She's like, I said, pause. It reminds me of when I went to South Africa. And Archbishop Tutu talked about it, that we received a gift from Africa called Ubuntu that a person is a person through others. And Dr. King talked about it, this inescapable mutuality that we have together as human beings and humanity. So this is just one example. If we talk about diversity and inclusion, that's exactly what happened in the classroom that led to our mantra, led to our tagline, and even the name of our nonprofit, planting people, growing justice. Now I know when people first heard it, they thought I was talking about some FBI, sci uh, sci-fi type of thing. They were like, what exactly is this? And I said, no, it's really about the essence of bringing ordinary people together and their ability to tap in their sense of agency to have an extraordinary impact in changing the world and circumstances around them. The true change, if we look at it through the course of history, is about people with purpose and action. So when I think about diversity and inclusion, diversity, of course, is the representation to ensure that we're bringing and creating that multicultural landscape, that tapestry and bringing it together in meaningful ways. But what weaves it together is that inclusion, that we're not just saying you have a seat at the table, but we're saying that we need to hear your voice. We need your engagement. If we look at it in the context of building a better society and building a better world, it'll take all of us. So I gave that little example of planting people growing justice, but that's really the essence, that creativity that emerged that day in class didn't emerge from me. It emerged from people coming together and their experiences, coming together with their ideas and coming together with that shared humanity and common destiny on how we could really build it together to manifest change. So when I think about inclusion, we'd be remiss of not putting it at the forefront on how we engage in our day-to-day -day lives. Okay, that makes sense. And as an author, I'm always wondering, well, for 
people that are not seeing me. I'm white. I'm from Canada and I'd like to be more inclusive and supportive in my writing. But then like, I can't write about things that I don't know. Like I only write about my experience as a white woman in Canada. So how, what can I do to include diversity in my book or what, what can I do to be more supportive? it would be the same as if you were saying, I want to write a book in a different genre. Like for me, I told you that I primarily write nonfiction books. But if I'd like to start writing fiction, I have to learn more about how do I build a plot? How do I make sure that I bring my characters and make them come alive in meaningful ways? How do I anchor that plot to take me to the conclusion? That looks radically different than the types of books that I write on civil rights history. So with that being said, if I was going in that direction, what would I do? I'd make preparation. I'd connect with other fiction authors. I'd learn more about my technique. And more importantly, I think it goes back to your previous inquiry. If it's around inclusion, I'd have to ask myself, what strategies am I using in my day-to-day -day life to promote inclusion? That it's not something I'm just doing because I have a new writing project. Mm -hmm. That this is a part of my own obligation or leadership challenge to learn more about the diversity that surrounds me and more importantly, to build those connections that lead me to inclusion. So I'll give just one more example of what this tangibly means. Even when I went, I'll give one more example for those who are thinking about, well, how do you do this? When I was preparing to write children's books, one of the things that I invested in was myself. And I went to the Highlights Foundation and I went to the Highlights Foundation to study my craft, to understand how, can I more effectively go from writing for adult audiences? I remember my first book, every one was silent on my first children's book. I sent it out and I'm like, why is no one responding? And then finally someone said, well, it reads like a dissertation. I was like, well, okay. I am Dr. Tyner. <laughs> <laughs> what did you expect? But I took the, the feedback with stride because it meant that I had to learn to see and view the world through the lens of a child. Yes. And I couldn't do that just in a distance by reading a book. I had to do that by doing what? I started volunteering more in schools and I started supporting more of the reading programs. I wanted to see what young people enjoyed reading. I wanted to see how they unleashed their imagination. So I actually went out and did a focus group for my book, Justice Makes a Difference. And I went out to an early childhood center and I asked the children, what does it mean to be a superhero? Now I thought they're, they're three years old. The oldest was four, the youngest was two. I didn't expect them to really have an answer. But all of a sudden hands were raised and people, they're going, oh no, they help people. No, they save people. I want to be a superhero. I was shocked because I didn't know that they would have a frame of reference of what it meant to be a superhero. So when I think about that, I think it aligns directly with your question. A piece of what the author does is they connect to society in meaningful ways. And it's not just when they're typing or writing their book, it's in their day-to-day -day life. Because in writing, what are we doing? We're unleashing our moral imagination to create and transform the world, no matter which genre you're writing in. Yes. And what better way to do that and making sure that you're open to the world in some meaningful ways. Yeah. And what would you say, like, I'm afraid of having characters that are not like me because I don't want to appropriate, like, cultural appropriation and or I'll say something that might pertain to that particular character and people might say oh that's what you believe about like this community or this type of person so how 
I find it really sensitive and delicate. So how do I get away from that and still like include diverse people? I would take the question in a different direction. Okay. Who are the diverse people in your network? Remember we began with network? Yes. How do we share information? How do we engage? So I, I oftentimes go to my friends and other writers and I ask, what do you think about this character? Okay. What do you think I'm missing? What do you think I need to know? And in fact, I'll just tell you for children's books, it's oftentimes a challenge because we focused on increasing the diversity of children's book authors, but we also need to increase the diversity of children's book illustrators because there's a challenge that oftentimes arises. And my friend joked about it, but it, I was like, I, this is no joking matter right now. We have a deadline, we're trying to finish a book and we have a real challenge. And she was joking, joking to try to make me calm down. And I said, I, I can't calm down because <laughs> I don't know how to address this issue right now. You know what it's like that pressure, you're trying to get to the finish line. I'm just like, I, there's no yes. calm left. So just no jokes, we're serious now. But the issue was that there was a full illustration, whole book is done. And one, and you're talking about stereotypes, biases. And this is why I'm saying this is not just about our work as an artist. This is our work as people to challenge the day-to-day -day biases that are our blind spots to make sure we don't see clearly. A whole book is completed and all the characters look alike. And when I say they look alike, if they're characters of color, they all have the same skin tone, mm -hmm. same hairstyle. Where do we do this? I mean, clearly that's incomplete related to the work. And then at one point, a stereotype was so strong about one character I was like, where does this bias come from? That the image of the character that you had in your mind doesn't match up with the manuscript. Why is that? So I think a big piece of this is long before we start writing, illustrating a book, coming together, it's begging the question, what type of internal work are we doing to make diversity and inclusion a part of our day-to-day -day life that's fueled then about equity? So that means we have to be intentional in those cultural exchanges, in those cultural experiences, building cultural bridges, getting things wrong, but being open enough to get them right. Yeah. So you're saying like the illustrator kind of had this image of a person, like what, what this person, was it a black person in the book? Yes. And so the illustrator had kind of this cliche image and all the black characters kind of look the same. That's so interesting. Yes. <laughs> And so and it, that's been an ongoing a, journey. What kind of illustrator, like, was it a black person or was it a white person? Or do you think that relates to that? I think it does. Okay. Because like I said, we still need to increase diversity in children's book illustrators as well. Okay. So when you are working then with an illustrator that doesn't have a frame of reference, doesn't have a relationship. So I know when I wake up in the morning and go look at my family, we all have different hairdos. Some people have textured hair. Some people have natural hair. Mm -hmm. Some people have straightened hair. Some people have short hair. Some people have long hair. Some people have extensions. Hair is important in our community. So to create a book that doesn't take into account how much hair is a part of self-expression within the African-American community is a book that's definitely incomplete. Yeah. And then to create, in addition to that, skin tones. If you look at the variation of my skin tone in my family lineage, I have family members that are your skin tone, <laughs> that are African-American too. So how can you just say that there's one dimension of what 
our number and amount of melanin within our DNA. It's we have to make sure that if we're going, and this is just one example of illustrators, but it happens related to when we're writing about characters as well and making them come alive. Yeah. You're still the author. Your biases, stereotypes, and prejudices are still with you. They don't go away because you start working on the book. Here's an opportunity for you before you even get into a next book, next project, to make a commitment to say, okay, what am I doing to learn more about other cultures? How am I embracing difference? What can I do? And I can say, even as a person of color, even as a woman, those are two identifiers that would traditionally make me diverse, right? I have to make a commitment to learn every day, learn about other women and their experiences across the globe, around the world, and also learn about more of my experience of being a part of the African diaspora. Okay. It doesn't look the same. <laughs> and how, um, how being a Black woman has impacted your writing career? Like, have you faced issues or opportunities specific to your identity? I think my general nature is we see a problem, we create a solution. I see many challenges within the publishing industry. I see many barriers, I see many roadblocks, but the reality of it is, it's my responsibility. And based upon my faith, based upon my cultural heritage to open up doors and windows of opportunity for the next person. So to be honest, I spend very little time worrying about what those day-to-day -day challenges are. And I spend the time on mentoring, supporting, and creating other opportunities for those who are coming along beside me and after me. Because the reality of it is, we still have challenges in thinking about, for instance, for children's books. You're more likely to find on the cover of a children's book a black dog or a black bear than finding a black boy or a black girl as the main character and the protagonist. We have work to do. So yeah. those challenges for me have just turned into opportunities and by God's grace, just continuing to move forward to do even more work to help us see each other more clearly and to help us to build those bridges that we need. Yeah. And at some point in my life, I was like, I don't see a color. I see a person. And what I was trying to say is that I wasn't judging people by their appearance. But then at another point, I've kind of heard that that was kind of racist, not acknowledging someone's color because it's part of your identity. So what would you say about that? Is it better Like, is, is there a better way to do this? Like, what should I be doing? We're all on our own journey and we'll have to take the opportunity to define what that is. I think the most important thing for me is that we embark on that journey and know it's our day-to-day -day responsibility. So the reality of it is I can say, for instance, you know, I don't see color and I'm colorblind. Well, as an attorney, I know that the law is not colorblind and laws and policies impact people in disproportionate ways. Laws and policies excluded folks that look like me and my ancestors to being three-fifths a person in America, excluded our access to the ballot box. The list goes on and on and on. So I would really think that our time should be spent on thinking about this leadership challenge. You know, oftentimes our culture here, of course, in the U.S. and in my small town, everyone goes, you know, how is the the sports team, how, what's happening with the snow, you know, because we get a lot of snow. How are the lakes? We have 10,000 lakes. All those things are beautiful. But the leadership challenge should really be, what are we reading? What experiences are we having to tear down some of the barriers and walls to create opportunities for those windows 
for those mirrors or the representation of people in books, but more importantly, to create those opportunities around community building. So I don't have an answer for that. I think it's something that we each have to grapple with in the sense of, and that's the process. And when you go through that process, I guarantee you'll come up with your answer of the direction that you need to go. But I can tell you for folks who are uh, challenging those types of statements, they're saying that you need a very specific and nuanced approach to a grapple with the unique needs and the historical trauma and challenges of particular groups, whether it's a data-driven approach, whether it's going through history, that we need to focus on narrowly tailored solutions to address some of the challenges that we face today. Okay, and if we say sense. all lives matter and everyone, we don't see color, we're not going to get potentially, this is what many of uh, the folks who challenge those statements, they're saying we won't get to the point that will really address the real issues in tangible ways. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks for explaining. And I, I was reading your website and I noticed how you talked about going to Africa, going back, like looking at your ancestors. How, like, did you do a DNA test? Like, how did you know? And why are you fascinated by digging in, in your personal history? Well, I think just like that tree again, we'll go full circle. Your roots matter. Your cultural roots give purpose. They give the sense of identity, belongingness, and being African-American and not having that documented history per se. Because for many of us, the history that we have is just documenting back to the transatlantic slave trade. It doesn't take us back to our tribe, culture, language, and land. So for me, it was a part of bringing wholeness to myself. And then once again, it's not just about me. You can see here that from everything that I said, it's about being a part of a community. So once I had the opportunity, yes, I did uh, my test to trace my roots to those genealogy tests. Yes, I've gone back to the continent many times to build those connections. And definitely my spiritual and second home is Ghana and the Akwamu traditional land. So when I think about all those pieces, it helped for me to understand purpose and destiny in ways that I did not fully embrace until I stepped foot on the continent. Going back home and traveling to South Africa, that was my first trip to the continent. And since then, going back and discovering those connections and helping to bring others on that journey. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's a unique gift, once again, to not just the African diaspora, but for us all to understand culture, history, interconnectedness of the human experience. And you talk about uh, Ghana, are you like 100%? Like you must have like different, like racial identities. Like how did you manage that? I never, I've never done a DNA test, but I'm pretty sure I'm like really boring, like all French from France and they came to Canada and that's it. But like, <laughs> did you have an interesting mix in your DNA tests? Well, we, I think the beauty of the DNA test is that we all may be pleasantly surprised. Yes. <laughs> I think that that's the piece of it because then it helps us to see more clearly that just the basic biology of it all, that we're 99.9999% the same related to our genetic makeup. But we've thrown in then the word race, which is a social construct that takes us in whole different dimensions related to uh, politics, related to history, related to culture, 
but then we miss ethnicity and culture as a part of the human experience. And when you mix those two things together, you cannot see yourself clearly, nor can you see others clearly because it's bound by history. It's bound by being that social construct of what's good, what's bad, and these binary things of who means more, who's more intelligent, all these pieces. We need to, in some ways, find ways to liberate ourselves and find more about the cultural and ethnic experience to help inform who we are. But in the end of it, connecting us back to our basic sense of humanity. So for me, if I think about what that really means, it means that I, I made a choice. And I'll, I'll quote Dr. Kwame Nkrumah to answer your question. He says, I'm not African because I was born in Africa, but I'm African because Africa was born in me. So he's connecting not race, not a political background or agenda. He's connecting in a specific piece of history and culture together and then making it a piece of cultural heritage of a piece of cultural pride. I think that's what, if I think about some of the things that have connected and inspired me, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah's legacy. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing. I'd like to know, how do you promote your books? Like, do you go on social media? You're a speaker. So what, what are the specifics? Yes, the book promotion is once again, a day-to-day -day commitment. It's daily figuring out and working your marketing plan. The biggest piece of bringing the books to a broader audience is conversations like this that spark some interest. You'll get off the, the We'll finish the podcast. We'll get off the line here. And you might say, hmm, I need to read her book, The Inclusive Leader. She gave me something to think about as we challenge bias, stereotypes, as we build those opportunities. She keeps saying shared humanity, common destiny. What does that mean to her? So as I get out, as I share information, that's really the spark. And then for the books as well, they promote themselves. Like for instance, our children's book, Justice Makes a Difference. It's become a movement within itself. Of Remember going back to that early childhood center, those two, three, and four-year-olds, they resonate with justice. They resonate that she's them, that she's a young girl that looks like them, that has their experience, wants to be a superhero. So a piece of the marketing is branding and connection. And more importantly, we know this from setting any marketing plan, the value proposition. And for me, it's not just measured in dollars and cents, it's measured in changed lives, that we can see each other more clearly that we can learn to play together, work together, celebrate together as one society. And how do we build that? We build it through education and knowledge. And where's one common place we can find it? In the pages of a book. I like that. It's, what a great way to end this podcast and what writing projects you're working on. And then after that, I'll you to share like your links, where can people find you and where can people buy your book? I am working on plenty of writing projects. So I'm working on the 10th anniversary edition of my first book, The Lawyer is Leader. So I'm excited about that to share updates and some of the lessons learned, practical strategies on how to bring forth social change in meaningful ways. On the children's book side, there's a long list. But one of the ones that I'm excited about is a book called Aquia is Great. So Aquia means born on Wednesday. So part of the cultural trans, uh, tradition is that your name aligns with the day that you're born in some of the cultures in Ghana. So I was born on Wednesday, so of course I'm a Quia as well. So Quia is a board book, but what I love about it being a book for the young folks that put their hands on it, bring it with them, start young, 
This board book is an opportunity for young people. This piece, Aquia is great, is an affirmation, daily affirmations that parents can share with their children about the greatness inside. Because I want to start young. I want to start with a young girl who, you know, dared to dream, to change the world. Let's start with inspiring her today, inspiring her before she even makes it to school, inspiring her right at home. And when she gets to school, continuing that journey to say, yes, you can, and yes, you are great, and that we will help. We as a community, and we talk about culturally the village, not just parents or immediate nuclear family, the village will help you cultivate your greatness. And last but not least, I'm really excited about a book that I'm writing. This is more targeted for women who are in their young professional stages, just beginning the career. And this book is related to women leading change. So it's entitled African Women Leading Change, Quotes of Inspiration for the Future. So it's taking those stories of those unsung sheroes to give inspiration for our journey today. Like for instance, one of the quotes that we include is from President Ellen Sirleaf Johnson. And one of the things that she talks about, about dreaming, we oftentimes hear dream big, but she gives us a, a deeper essence of dreaming. She says, if your dreams aren't big enough to scare you, they are not big enough. So really what we're doing is inspiring everyday people to unleash those dreams, unleash those, that potential. So really my kind of real essence of what this is all about is that the hero is within. And how do we create the kind of modern day justice league where we all can manifest change together? So where can you find all our materials? Where can you get support us? You can go to my personal website, which is my name, artikatiner.com. And you can also learn about our philanthropic work because in addition to running our publishing house and training center, really our work is with each book sold, there's a percentage of the proceeds that go directly to continuing the work to get the hands, books, get hands, and especially hands connected to books. So get them in the hands of young people. So for instance, when you buy our book, Justice Makes a Difference, 100% of the proceeds go directly to our nonprofit. So we can run our youth leadership summit. So we can create youth leadership workshops and engage our young people around how they can lead change. So your support is planting that seed in the future, that future so we can reap a harvest of justice and equity. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and passion with us today. It was so great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing!